You are listening to The Benchcast with your hosts, Elvis Mendez and Coach Ben. Hey guys, Coach Ben here, and you are listening to The Benchcast. I'm here with Small Arm Leg Strong today. Um, and we are talking issues in the bench press, common mistakes. Uh, we're also live on Instagram right now, so we're taking any comments that you want to post up, anything you've been having trouble with, and it's an opportunity to get in here and get a little personal help. So um, I got a whole list I want to cover, but I'm sure there's a few things that you might be having an issue with that might not be on this list, so feel free comment down below but this is going to be a great bench cast we're going to cover a lot of topics and how you can get better at them so if you're having any trouble in the bench press this is a great one to listen to uh, we're not going to run too too long today and this is a great one to share out as well all right so if you want to interact with us get on that instagram live um tell everyone that you can always interact with us on the bench cast on the instagram live we'll try to film these a little more we're going to start with something fun today I have here the raffle drawing from last weekend's meet. It's kind of a little tradition now. I'm drawing this when we film the bench cast. Uh, protein shake. Gotta get the gristle out. Alright, so you can see I have my box. No cheating involved. We're going to pick a winner. They're going to win a free shirt or whatever apparel item they like. Alright. This was at Dave Kingwater's meet last weekend. Great meet. Um, it was the Tom Brown Memorial meet. Uh, he's put it on for his friend past five, six years ago now. And uh, it, was, it was a hell of a meet. Push-pull. A lot of fun. There was a seven-year-old there. I don't know if anyone saw my story. There was a seven-year-old pulled 100 pounds and benched 50-something uh, pounds, I think. Got to start him early. That's wild. If you saw the thing, he can't even get his feet on the side of the bench. It was wild. Alright. Had to put up blocks. And the winner is... Jody Brown. I believe that's Jody Brown. Does that look like a Jody Brown? That is a Jody Brown. Looks like Jody Brown is going to be receiving an email from me with her winnings. Alright, guys. First off... Whoever's watching, can you can get that for me there, Elvis? We got Arnie design shirts coming out in January. I had a vision, but I didn't know how to display my vision. So anyone watching on IG Live, you're in for a treat. Uh, I got the Arnold Classic 2019 t-shirt mock-up right here. And if you're looking, this is it, guys. HD quality. I'm not doing anything to this. This is what's going on to the shirt. Do you like it? For anyone that's listening, <clears throat> I tried to do my best sketch, but I think I tore his lap, and I think he's wearing gloves. And I think I gave him a little too much hair than he, if he even has hair here. His face is a little bit disformed. Um, my logo is just a circle in the middle of him. But the ultimate vision, guys, I think you're really going to like this t-shirt. It's going to be this um, kind of shadowy silhouette type of Arnold in the back doing a double biceps. Gold logo middle, and then the Arnold Classic 2019 underneath. I think it's going to come out really awesome. Most certainly will not look like this, for anyone who just saw that. 
All right. Let's start talking bench pressing. All right. I got some common issues written down here. If you have anything that pops into your mind at any time, you let Throw me know. Throw them right in there. First issue that I want to touch on is lifters who have a hard time pausing their bench press. And this mostly stems majority of the time from uh, they've been touch and go for so long. And they haven't ever trained with a pause. It's a really super simple fix. You just need to spend more time off the chest. Now you see a lot of times commercial gym bench or commercial gym uh, when they're benching, touch and go. Uh, a lot of lifters still do that, uh, even in like a powerlifting setting. They'll touch and go majority of their bench presses. I never program in a touch and go ever. I think you're doing yourself a disservice if you train touch and go because there is a strength component needed to be able to stop that weight and then be able to press it from a dead stop that's just how it is in competition that's just what you're going to need to you know make an adaptation for in your training so you're just getting yourself in some bad habits yeah if you're touching going there's there's no training adaptation to be had at the chest you're catching a lot of rebound you're catching a lot of stretch reflex uh you're not going to get what you need out of your training in order to get strong down at chest level. It's just not going to happen. Especially if you're one of those huge ribcage breaking bouncers. We don't want that whatsoever. Uh, that's a little dangerous. But if you have trouble pausing, you know, nothing, you know, if, you, if you're experiencing, at first, guys, you got to understand, you are going to have a drop in strength. Of course. You ain't catching a stretch reflex. You're spending more time in a weak area. All right, so expect a good, decent drop in strength. It's going to happen. Um, but if you want to minimize how much strength you actually drop, just train pauses more. And you could train really long pauses to help catch you up and get you up to speed. You can do three-second pauses. You can even do five-second pauses for a few weeks uh, if you have a really hard time with that pause. You just need to have more time under tension in that range of motion. All right, so you got to live down there in your training. And you just have to understand, too, when you transition from touch and go to a pause, you're going to take some weight off. It's not going to feel the same. It's not going to be the same. You just got to take the time off, train the pause, and then you'll build yourself back up. Did you ever have to do that? Oh, yeah, of course. How much weight did you probably drop when you switched over? Probably about 30 pounds. 30 pounds. That's about right. I say, what are you? What are you doing? Like mid fives, mid twos, right? Yeah, mid two hundred benches. So a thirty pound drop. Um, yeah, that's about right. And then, you know, more you're benching, touch and go, you can experience some serious drops. It depends how hard you're smashing the thing off your ribs. Um, you know, some guys out there slamming touch and go five hundred pounds, and they're lucky to even touch four hundred with an actual pause. You know, big ass difference. So. Uh, if this is you, this sounds like you a little bit, uh, just consider adding more pauses to your training if you don't already. Uh, like I said, everyone on our team pauses all the time. Everything, even accessory work, unless otherwise noted, is with a pause. And I want to make sure that's clear to everyone um, because you need to get that adaptation. All right, we're moving on to uh, leg drive. I think this is another common issue 
and uh, people just aren't really sure how to get the most out of their legs. I, I think everyone understands what the hell a leg drive is in the sense that you want to push with your legs to help your bench press. But I think people struggle with actually knowing how to go about doing this, where to place their feet and all that. So Elvis, you want to um, tell them the difference in stances with the toes back and the feet out flat. You got a couple different styles, guys. So basically with leg drive, you need to go toes back or feet out flat. And I know Coach Ben here loves the feet flat. He feels he can get a more surface area to push against. He can push back more. I'm, I prefer toes back just because I feel like it helps me keep my ass on the bench itself. But if you're, if you're not <clears throat> pushing vertically, if you're pushing horizontally, you don't really get the lift off of your butt either way. It got a couple different ones that Elvis just described, and neither is wrong. Uh, both offer some benefits, but um, you know, either way you decide to do it, you got to understand what's going on. And the biggest thing I'd say to understand and how you use leg drive, no matter what you're doing there, if you're doing the feet flat, if you're doing the toes back, is to understand there's three points of contact. All right, you have two feet on the floor. And you have your traps on the pad. Okay. And what that's saying more or less is that, no, your hips aren't a point of contact. But obviously, we need our hips to be touching the pad. Okay. So, um, yeah, that's a, the biggest way uh, to really get it across is that you don't want to have dormant ass per se. You know, you don't want your hips just laying on the pad doing nothing sure your butt is down but you're not going to transfer any force you can leg extension all you want but if your ass is just laying there on the pad you're not going to get any sort of transfer you're not going to feel that at all so you got to understand no matter what you're doing three points of contact all right your hips are just gracing so i'll go back to that Blaine sumner cue where you saw off the bottom end of the bench everything would remain the same it doesn't matter what stance you're using all right, you can do the toes back, the feet out flat. If you took half that bench away, the whole bottom part where your ass is, if you yanked it out from someone, nothing's going to change on them. You know, it's kind of like when you're anticipating sitting in a chair that, that's going to get yanked out on you. you know, you're not going to uh, just drop your weight. You're going to hover a little bit. Same thing with the bench. You're just lightly hovering. You're just getting that material contact so that you don't get a red light. But your ass is not dormant on the bench press whatsoever. Okay, and I think that's uh, the biggest way to get that point across. Uh, is there anything that, that you have, little tricks to help you get a little more out of your legs there? Uh, <clears throat> I always try to oh, open up, like try to drive my hips through, like as in a squat. Yeah. Keep my knees wide, it helps keep my ass on. <clears throat> but I also think another big thing that helped me, because we're spoiled, we have good benches we have benches that are sticky that are tacky yep. if someone's at a commercial gym throwing bands on that bench so they could stop the vertical leg drive and go to horizontal without worrying about sliding off is going to be huge for you guys yeah a couple really good points there one is how he related to the squat that's a good way to look at leg drive um treat it just like a squat on the bench uh, you're pretty much just squatting horizontally that makes sense it's the same type of concepts if your feet are out you're driving your knees out. You're feeling your glutes. Just like when you say spread the floor in the squat, right? You're spreading your knees out. You're getting that glute activation. You're pushing back, all right? It's the same thing with the squat. 
And then uh, what was the other thing you were touching on at the end of that? Remember? If uh, you have a slippery bench because we're spoiled. Yeah, very good point. Throw some bands on that bench, get some traction, do whatever. You, with a yoga mat, I know that's popular now. Uh-huh. Get the traction on the bench so you're not just sliding right off. Yeah, that was the other good point. Uh, I don't have good memory. I got about a 10-second memory. So uh, the traction. You're not going to ever be able to use leg drive in the fashion that you'd like if you do not have traction on that pad. I mean, you're even going to flatten out if you tried to do a toes back. Very, very difficult to do because you need something holding your shoulders there. If you're on one of those slippery commercial gym benches, you're going to be sliding all over the place. All right, you have no chance. All right, I'm going to go back up to, we had a question come in early on. This is one of the first, I just wanted to touch on this. During the podcast, and it was a good, uh, so he was saying how, um, can I bench 405 with a naturally small frame? First off, I would never ever handicap your potential in any lift. It's just not a great way to think. You always want to believe that you can achieve whatever you set your mind to. Um, you know, pretty much like anything in life, you never want to handicap uh, what you think you can do. So that would be the first thing is just to get out of that train of thought and believe that you can actually do something like that. Um, and I told him, you know, I would say that a smaller frame could potentially even help you bench that 405. Um, you know, not in terms of having body weight on your side because if you have a smaller frame, you're likely a um, less taller, shorter guy, uh, not going to have as much body weight behind you and you know mass moves mass it does help but uh, with a smaller frame you're not going to have a huge arm length you're probably going to have a shorter stroke and you're going to be able to fill out that frame very well Uh, that's actually uh, sometimes a good trait to have in like the bodybuilding world to have a little bit of a smaller frame much easier to fill out uh, and that certainly will help you in the bench too you get some of those uh, mechanical advantages there with you you get like your bicep bumping into your arm there and your lats and stuff getting in the way. All that kind of creates that kind of like trampoline rebound effect too when you got all those muscle bellies running into each other and shit. So that could even be a little bit of a benefit for them. Uh, I'm going to keep going through my list here of common issues. Elbow flare. Real big one. That's when you start pressing. Your elbows fling right out on you and then you end up just pressing through your chest and your shoulders. Okay. To deal with elbow flare could be a lot of things a lot of times it's just a pattern that someone's naturally ingrained into if you came from like that bodybuilding side of things how do bodybuilders typically bench they're trying to isolate more of their chest shoulders uh, is it really a chest and anterior delt dominant exercise for them that's the purpose behind it which is fine uh, but if you get into that kind of pressing pattern you know it's still a movement and that's what we are ingraining so um, that's really difficult transition for them to make because every time, even if you put them in a good touch point and that 45 degree angle with their elbow out, um, they're going to have a hard time because they're just going to naturally shift back to that pressing pattern that they had previously. Plus, they already built up those muscle groups. They're just not sure how to use their lats. Triceps might not be as strong yet. Um, so there is a strength component behind it. There is like a neural learning pattern thing behind it as well. Um, But, you know, usually that takes care of itself. You can bring up some tricep strength to hold the position, really get a good initial punch to the triceps without having to get back into those dominant pressing groups. 
and um, using your lats a little more effectively. With elbow flare, it's really common when you have a a pressing pattern that you're so used to, and so once you hit above a certain weight, like you said, I know guys who, as soon as they hit above 200, their elbows start to flare out, because as soon as it gets hard, they default to their movement pattern. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, definitely, that's a, a straight component behind it. I'm going to touch on that elbow flare again, because we have a little technical difficulty here. We also so, have a, a question, too. All right. So, uh, well, I'll hit the elbow flare and then just remember the question here. All right. All right, elbow flaring, real quick recap. Uh, I don't know what we caught, didn't, but um, elbow flare, again, it could be a strength issue where you've just predominantly been pressing in your chest and shoulders, coming from a bodybuilding background or something, and you just built up those muscle groups so much that you just want to default to it. Could be because you have too low of a touch point, and then you just got to get that bar coming back. Um, you, you might just need to build up your triceps, your lat strength a little bit more to hold that position. But that would be my suggestion to you guys if you're struggling with the elbow flare um, to build up your tricep strength, which is never a bad thing to do anyway, and then to really focus on your back strength but also just to practice with light enough weight because as soon as you cross a certain percentage, I've worked with people who once they maybe get to like 85%, you start seeing elbow flare, all right? But not before that. So stay and do a good amount of volume before that 85% and um, just work on ingraining that good pattern. And slowly over time, you'll be able to bring that up. But if you're going to train too heavy, you're just going to naturally default to that anyway, especially if it's a strength issue. All right. Now, we got a question from the Hybrid Hillbilly. Oh, hit me. What about hitting the sticking point about six inches away from the chest? All right. Um, so that'll bring me over to um, lockout. All right, and I want to discuss that a little bit. So that sounds to me, if you're pressing six inches, um, I'm hoping that you're almost about to lock out, or you got monster arms, my friend. Um, so lockout issues. That is tricky because it's not always a tricep weakness um, a lot of times it could be from things just as we talked about before a touch-and-go bench if you're experiencing these issues with a touch-and-go bench then that is likely cause as well there's no strength off the chest you're catching a rebound so that rebound that's not really your strength down there you're catching a rebound, and it's almost like that slingshot effect, right? So it's going to help you through off the chest, but then if you didn't actually have that strength to begin with, it's going to be really hard to carry through. And sure, you can work on your triceps to help get that up a little bit, but at a meet, you're really going to be screwed. So it, it comes down to pausing a lot more. Um, bottom position, if you're not in a great bottom position with the uh with the lockout strength it's not going to be there you know if you're you're pressing from a poor you really got to focus on what's going on in the bottom position to see how you're going to finish all right um it's rarely ever guys a tricep weakness is usually something going on with form um but really ever rarely a tricep weakness and i hate to see everyone who thinks they have a uh, lockout issue they just slam triceps and partial range work but as a raw lifter you really don't need a lot of that partial range work you need more off the chest work than anything 
okay and sometimes if you do have a big stroke maybe you know he said yeah six inches range of motion there and you're still not locked out yet um and that's a pretty heavy bench stroke so uh it might just be you know that you need to bring up your triceps a little bit you know that's always a possibility too i don't want to uh, eliminate that or, or shake that out but uh, usually it's what's going down at, at chest level all right so moving on anyone watching if you want to drop below comment uh, any type of bench issues that are common or you might have all right let's take a look here we got using the lats coming up next this is really difficult for some people to do using the lats correctly all right so, biggest difficulty is I think people just don't really know what it feels like. And this is, just, this is the hardest thing to teach as a coach and the hardest thing to get down as a lifter, I always say, using your lats. All right, and I'm, I'm not even sure exactly where I want to begin with this one. Um, I guess the best way I like to explain it, and it's connected with a few people, but hasn't with some is that it feels like you're tightening down with, with the back when you're lowering that weight it's like that the absence of control in your arms so you're not working so hard in your arms your shoulders to lower that weight it really just feels like it's loading into your lats you know uh, you have your arms locked out all that weight's just kind of shifted into your back and you're feeling more of a load in your back than you are a stretch in your chest per se okay that's when you, you start to uh, connect with the back a bit. Um, bending the bar, that's always huge, right, to get that lat activation. What happens when we bend the bar, right, we close off that armpit, right, we drag that shoulder blade down towards our hip. Um, that cue is really, really important in terms of using your back in the press as well. You always, always need to be driving your shoulder blade down to your hips. That's the best way I can explain it, or even armpit to back pocket. That cue works too for benching, um, but that needs to happen. And then on the takeout, it's that whole pullover type motion too. So you guys know a pullover, right, where you have a bar over your head, and you're just kind of pulling it down to like your chest level. Um, that type of motion is pretty much to take out the bench press, and in order to actually use your lats, it needs to happen right on takeout. All right, if you don't nail that on takeout, if you use your shoulders a little bit, you're just not going to get it. That's how big of a difference the takeout makes. That's what shifts you into your lats right off the get-go. And if you miss that boat, then that's it. If you want to throw in some banded rows or some banded pull-downs too, just so you can feel your lats before the bench press, it'll help you have that connection to it. Yeah, duh. Uh, it's a good point. I wanted to touch on exercises that could help you with that too. Um, the reverse band bench, the row there. So you suspend a bar uh, in a power rack with bands, and then you just get your bench uh, set up, and you just row it down to your chest. That'll help you kind of get the feel of using your uh, back relative to how you'll do a benching. The thing that Elvis was talking about there, if you want to hook up uh, a bar or you know just a light PVC or something to a band, and just work on having to actually pull the bar out because it's band resisted now. Uh, that always helps. Um, and just, you know, something like a seated cable row with a hold is a great way to train your back as well. Um, there should be an article coming out in Lead Up TS that I just wrote 
Um, I was told it was going to come out in November, but you never know how those things are going to roll. But I'm sure it'll probably be out sometime this month. I did this whole article on how to use your back in the bench press. bunch of YouTube videos attached with that and a bunch of training exercises that are great for actually training your back to get it strong for the bench. So I'm excited for that to come out. Um, but definitely keep an eye out for that. Make sure you're following us on the app Big Benches. We'll share that out. But that's going to be a great article for getting lifters um, to be more conscious of what's happening with their back while they bench and why it's such an important thing. All right, let's go on to maintaining tightness. Okay, so we've been touching on a lot of good topics. If anyone wants to comment below anything they're having a little bit of a difficulty with. Uh, maintaining tightness throughout the bench. So this is in terms of just doing reps and being able to stay tight doing reps. A lot of this is just practice. Once you know everything you have to do, it just comes down to practicing it regularly. So all those things have to be on point. Uh, the leg drive needs to be there. Um, you need to be driving your shoulder blade down to your, your hip. You can't, we just did a video, you can't be resetting. You know, when everyone shrugs up and slams their lats down again, uh, you just need to maintain that. So it just comes down to doing everything you already know you need to do, but just doing it for a longer duration. You know, right? That's, I mean, I, I don't know what else to say with that. It's just doing everything and practicing it for a longer duration. If you're bending the bar, you can't stop bending the bar. Where most people run into issues is when they finish the rep, they just relax on everything. Okay? And you cannot do that. You cannot relax at the top. I know you just finished a rep, um, but you need to, at the top, you need to make sure you didn't overpress that bar. You need to make sure that you're still gauged with your lats and that you didn't shift to your shoulders. Uh, you need to make sure you're still driving the shoulder blade down to the hip even at the top. You know, that's where I see most lifters fall apart. They're stopping their drive with the legs because they finished the rep. So that's where a lot of that issue comes in. It's just when they finish the rep. We got, uh, we got a couple good questions here. Sure, hit me. One's from Utica Power. On the command press, should my first movement with the bar be more towards my face before the main drive up, as in the J-press style, or is there a better concept to consider the initial drive? All right, there's a lot of words, and <laughs> I'm not that smart. So can we recap that again? Yeah, so on the uh, command press, so at the bottom of the bench press, should his first movement be trying to press the bar towards his face before uh, the main drive up, as in like a jam press? Okay. Or is there a better concept for the initial drive? Like, how do I drive the oh, bar so off my chest? Where's the bar going off the chest? Yeah. All right. So, um, I'd say yes to the fact that you need that that bar going back towards your face, but I'd say no to the fact that you don't want to end up over your face. Um, I guess you have the direction right, but the end point you want over your shoulders. So, I always bring up multiply lifting because it just highlights all these things that we kind of take for granted as a raw lifter. A raw lifter, you could potentially end up over your neck or face and still hang on to that bar for the rack command. Multiply, if you miss that boat there, if you scoot past your shoulders and you end up over your neck, forget about it. You're not regaining that bar. Um, there's just no way you're going to be able to pull that bar back in and get that rack command. It's going to be a hell of a time. So you want to end up over your shoulders. That's where you're stable. Um, that's your end point. It's where you want to start as well. But absolutely correct in that you want to press on an angle back. So 
Um, the way it's worded, just yes and no to the face. You don't want to end up there, but I think you, what, the concept you have there, perfect. All right. Then we got another one from Colossus Lift. What would be your biggest tip for benchers with long arms trying to grow their chest? All right, benchers, long armed, trying to grow their chest. So you're going to want to live in the bottom range for sure. Um, I really don't, it's not going to be too, too much different than what you do with anyone else because you're still, you're still getting all that chest activation in the bottom. You know, as soon, as soon as elbow flexion stops, that's what you're tapping into. So, I mean, you have the same potential to train your chest as anyone else. If you want to really highlight your chest more, then I would do more pause work. Um, maybe even do some, I've, I've done things where you pause, you press up halfway just to kind of stay in the chest and then come back down, pause, press up halfway and just spend time under tension there. You just want time under tension with those muscle groups, wider grips work. Um, and then you can just do things like flies and just different chest exercises as well, like everyone else. But just because you have those long arms, um, I don't think really has to handicap you. You know, you just need to continue to put focus where you want to grow. All right. All right, guys, uh, we have a few more that I want to touch on. And if anyone has anything they want to throw up here as well, we had some great questions come in. Shoulder pec discomfort. Okay, so if you are experiencing some shoulder and pec discomfort, how can we kind of work around that and avoid that? All right, so where am I going with this one? A lot of times I see a lot of people have shoulder and pec discomfort, but they have a forward shoulder posture. So they're always spending their day rounded forward. Yeah. But you might be talking about something different. I'm yeah, talking about you know like what? a shoulder impingement kind of issue. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm This is one of those ones I wrote down with something specific in mind, but then I forgot to actually write down what the hell I wanted to touch it so on. So I'm going to just take this one and run with it. All right. Go so ahead. a lot of times, listeners will, like, <clears throat> you'll get more discomfort from benching because you spend your whole day with your shoulders and your chest rounded forward. So when you're benching, you're just emphasizing that pattern. You're just pounding that pattern in. A good thing for that is to strengthen the upper back to stretch out of the front body. So you wanna, you know, just have your arms behind you, just try to get, try to open up your chest, try to spread, try to get more space in between, and just try to fix your posture. I know the Donnie Thompson bow tie is huge. Mm -hmm. I wear that every time I go through my warm up sets just to kind of pull my shoulders back because I'm working on a computer all day. Yeah, So yeah. I love that bow tie product. Um, but now I know it was a little, it was a little more simple than I thought. I was thinking of some <laughs> complex thing. <laughs> Uh, it's just getting in a good position, guys. So you see the major thing at a like a commercial gym setting, how many, if you see an old-timer in there, right, they're bench pressing or whatever, you start docking to them, how many shoulder injuries and shit they have, right? Um, very, very common, and then bench gets a bad rap for causing shoulder in injuries and chest issues and shit. Um, doesn't need to be that way. Very safe exercise if you do it correctly. That comes in with setting up properly. As long as you have your shoulders tucked into a good position, you're going to be golden here majority of the time, all right? Um, if you lack range of motion, so for example, when I started out, uh, definitely not the size I am today, okay? So I had a little more shoulder mobility. I, I could do the duffalo bar, no problem. I could do that feet up, and if you know the duffalo bar, that has a curve to it. 
Okay, so it's dropping you another two inches or so. Uh, I had the mobility to do that, no problem. Over time, as I continued to get bigger, I became a little more restricted with my shoulder mobility. Right, I had a really hard time with the duffel bar. I actually kind of get some pec strains and some shoulder pains here and there, even though I was in a good position. I just did not have the range to carry through that entire range of motion. And then, you know, fast forward to today, unless I really restore a lot of range of motion, I have not trained with a duffelo bar in a very long time because I know it would beat me up bad because it takes me through a range where my shoulders would have to pull forward a bit even to get that bar down to my chest. I cannot touch that bar probably to my chest um, without sacrificing position. The empty bar, mind you. So, uh, if you're very restricted to, that's something you need to work on because you're going to only be able to travel through what is uh, considered safe for you. Otherwise, your shoulders are going to get pulled forward. This is something I was talking with, um, saw my PT the other day, and um, we were kind of like talking about that concept a little bit, that if you don't have the range to travel where you need to travel on the bench, shoulders just going to round forward and whatnot, and you're, you're going to end up pulling yourself out of a good position and whatnot so um make sure you have proper mobility to do what you're doing and then just make sure you're actually in a good position okay and that comes down to using the lats and doing all that stuff as we were talking about let me get a, a good question from ny underscore z all right hit me best way to incorporate pin presses into training to increase the bench bear emoji okay oh, pin press let me touch on pin press again. We'll start raw, we'll, then we'll go into the equip. All right, so raw, as a secondary, triceps, right, is a tricep way to build the triceps. You you have true lockout strength, and you need to bring that up. I love doing that as, like, a secondary, hit, like, 8 to 12 reps with it or something, get a good tricep pump, use a close grip, um, similar to a floor press in a way. Um, and then I like to do overloads. So... That's something I've been using with our athletes a lot more often is the, the overloads between the main work. So it really jacks up that nervous system, right? If you got 450 pounds in your hands and all of a sudden your working sets are down at like 365, you know, you're going to be primed and ready to move that weight very quickly. So that's something that I've been doing in different variations. Pin press can be one of them, um, but I also use heavy holds. Um, could be a board press could be anything like that just some way that you're going to be able to move or handle very heavy loads and the partial range exercises are great for that as an equip lifter i use pin presses much more often um pretty much for all of the above um but as an equip lifter you know I, if i'm training equip lifters going to be much more partial range work than there is uh full range or you know, pausing off the chest. There's some of that in there just to stay strong, raw. Of course, that's important. But in the equipment, much more of an emphasis on that transition point and lockout in general. All right, so that's how I'd use pin presses both for uh, quick lifters and for raw lifters. All right, uh, let's go into the plateaus. All right, if you're experiencing a plateau, that's a common bench issue for everybody. Um, it's a rough one. It's disheartening. Yeah, when you realize shit's just not moving anywhere. All right, and we, we've touched, I think we did a little bit podcast about how to break through a plateau and some of the things you want to take a look at. First off, 
I'd always go into technique. Um, you know, I, I, I was stuck at a bench for a year. And, uh, you know, which, when thinking back, is really not that long of a time, guys. I know a year for a lot of you maybe starting out seems like hell. But it's really, if you put everything in perspective, if you're in this for the long run, you know, getting stuck for a year, really, it, it's not that bad. You know, there's been lifters who got stuck for three years. Okay. So, if you want to break through a plateau, analyze what you're doing with your technique first. All right, try to find, see if there's a deficiency there, a way to train smarter. Um, and actually practice this stuff more, guys. I'm telling you, you want you want to break through a plateau, just bring more intensity to your warm ups for a year, and then see what the hell that gets you. All right, that's a big deal. I see how many people you see lay down on the bench. They warm up with they don't even warm up with an empty bar, but if they do warm up with an empty bar, it's the slowest press you've ever seen with 45 pounds. Looks like their max effort. Right, if you can treat all those warm-ups as speed work and explode the shit through them, all right, you're going to get so much out of that. If you take six to seven warm-ups every bench day, say you have two bench days, let's do the math on that. Let's do a little mathematics. What's that? 14, 14 sets per week. That turns into 28, and then we double that. 56, that's 56 extra attempts per month that you're actually trying on. And then give me a 56 times a 12. 728. 728 attempts where you are actually getting some sort of training effect and chance to practice your technique in which someone else is just dragging ass. Alright. 728 guys. We did the mathematics. There's no confusion there. Elvis broke out the calculator. If you bench more often than that, more time to practice. Okay. You tell me that's not going to help break you through any type of plateau that you're on. So there you go. And if your technique is dialed in on point and you um, are doing a good job with that, then you might want to just take a look at how you're approaching your training. Maybe it's just time for something new. What worked in the past might not work in the future. Okay? Everything is a constantly evolving puzzle piece. Alright? you got to keep putting the pieces together to keep making progress. So... You know, for myself, I found that the overhead press was a huge weakness of mine. Always has been, still is. And I don't know if I'll ever get it to where I would like it to be. But I know every time I put dedicated focus into the overhead press, which has been for the past two years or so, guess what, guys? I have not stagnated for a long-ass time because I truly believe um, some of the things I'm doing uh, in terms of bringing it in the warm-ups and actually putting some emphasis on those exercises that I continue to be weak at, overhead pressing. You know, I'm still just trying to do 225 for reps, which is not that good for the amount of weight I press. All right? Um, it's a huge issue. It takes me forever to make gains on the overhead press. And I know if I keep bringing it, I, I do it as a main movement, guys, during the week, a main movement. Alright, because um, I struggle that much at it, but it has served me really well. It continues to crawl up, alright, continues to crawl up, um, not where I want it to be, but my bench goes up, alright, so you just got to find that exercise you suck at, because guess what, you've probably been avoiding it, and you're, if you keep avoiding it, you're just going to keep plateauing and struggling, alright, 
Um, so find that exercise you really suck at. We all know what they are. All right, you perform them. You're like, God, this sucks. Do more of that. All right, do more of that. Um, there's two examples where you really don't even have to touch the layout of your week of the programming. Okay. Um, you know, and after all that too, you can you can play around with different types of programming. Maybe you just need to handle more heavy load in your hands. Uh, maybe you just need to dial it back. You'll be getting injured a bit. Uh, dial it back. Work with some more submax volume. Um, that is a lot lot goes into that specific to the person. But um, yeah, guys, I just gave you two great things to help break through a plateau. All right, two huge things that you don't even have to change much. And then we have Elvis. Elvis submitted a uh, user submitted question. User submitted question by Small Arm Leg Strong over here. Um, just getting enough pressing in. So what would you say your like an issue would be with getting enough pressing in? Just like what everything else you're doing during the week or something? Yeah, just with everything else I'm doing during the week. Like I always try to have at least two dedicated bench days. And right now I'm trying to sneak in another bench accessory movement on one of either my squat or my deadlift day. Okay, um, so what I say, someone having issues with that. First off, I'd say two bench days is probably a must, and I think you you'd agree with that. You do uh, two bench days? Yeah, I have to. If I don't do at least two, then it starts to like fall off. Okay, so he's at least got his two bench day minimum in. Um, I would encourage a lot of athletes to get at least two bench days in. Okay, on those bench days, you doing any secondary work on on the bench? On one of them, I do secondary work. On the other one, I do the full week of accessories. So what does that mean? So on uh, on day one, I'll do you know the common bench stuff, so like triceps, upper back, more some chest stuff. Then on the second day, I'll do more of a lower body thing. Oh, so, so you're kind of doing your squats with your bench? Yeah, right. on that second day. So what I like to see is. Uh, two dedicated bench days of just upper body accessory work. And then uh, if you're going to do something like that, that's when I would throw the extra pressing in. It's exactly what you did there. So you're just doing what I would do with a day three. Gotcha. So instead, maybe switch it up. So instead of a two squat day with a bench upper day, body. have a dedicated upper body day. Yes, two dedicated And maybe an accessory body. squat. All right. Because Elvis needs to squat every day. Every day. <laughs> Go to so Go to Munster, I will see how long. So he'll do some. He'll sneak in a belt squat or something anyway. But yeah, two dedicated upper body days, guys, um, where you're doing your tricep accessories, you're doing chest stuff, you're doing back stuff. Really hit the back stuff hard. Back stuff you should do every single training session um, in some capacity. Um, you can even do that off days if you throw a little routine together. Uh, off days too, guys, is a great way to utilize time to get stuff in. You know, my the days I use the bamboo bar, I try to use the bamboo bar every single week. Um, the days I use that aren't aren't what I would consider real training days for me. They're more just kind of quick workout off day type things. I know it's not. I guess it's not really an off day. Uh, it depends on your definition. You know, I was, on an off day, I'd still touch weights and stuff, but um, just it's not like the real training that's giving me the results. Like it is my day one, day two bench, but um, that's another great way to get some uh, get some work in. Even if you just go in and do like a three by twenty bench and leave, you know, just just get that in and go. It's real quick. It's gonna take you like fifteen minutes. 
but if you can put away a quick 15 minutes there's some extra pressing volume right there and it definitely adds up um, and make sure you got secondary work in those days as well you got a couple bench days get some secondary work in too a lot of times a main movement um, just isn't enough uh, usually if you're pushing the intensity you want to back down a bit do some kind of like maybe close grip board work or just do some full range pause stuff with a lighter load um, and then if you want to get some more in, you can throw it in your deadlift or your squat day. And it doesn't have to be much. You know, you just it all adds up. Maybe you just get some dumbbell pressing in. You know, just because it's a squat day doesn't mean everything has to be lower body focused. You may do really well squatting once a week. I know I always did. Just getting my main movements in. I would do, a lot of times I would do the lift run bang by Paul Carter. And I wouldn't even do pause squats and stuff. I just follow the regular routine and it's really not too much squatting i mean all together what's that like eight nine sets maybe if that if that. a few singles at the end so you're not even getting a ton of volume um but i'll do that and i'll make progress every single time you know i just don't need to do so much for my squat to get that to move um never really have at some points when i needed to squat to move it's not even more squatting it's just more core work so um that everyone needs a little bit different stuff, but you could throw in dumbbell pressing on a squat day. You're not breaking any rules by doing that. All right, so uh, I think that covers pretty much my list. I know we kind of ran a few, ran a little bit here. Uh, we got to splice a little bit together. We got some battery issues over the course of this thing, but I think we put together a pretty hell of a good podcast here with a lot of great tips for you guys. I'm super pumped to share this, and I hope you're super pumped to share this with some of your friends as well. To get them benching better. You know, if you think about it, we all know some people that have been really struggling with their bench press. Um, please share this podcast with them. If you're thinking of them right now, anyone jumps to mind, just take the second. All right, the link's right there. You probably listen to it somewhere. The link's right there on your phone. Just hit the share button. Send it over to them. You know, let them listen to it, and uh, I'm sure it's going to make a huge positive influence. We covered a lot of stuff today, guys. Ben, if there was something that we didn't cover, you still have that question, feel free to DM Benny at Big Benches. You can even DM me at Small Arm Leg Strong and answer it directly and even have you on the show. Yeah, for sure. If you ever want to um, you know, contribute a topic of a podcast or whatever, something you want to hear, something you want some help with, always feel free to reach out. All right, guys. Uh, you know where to uh, find us on a bench and at Big Benches on Instagram. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube. Guys, I'm going to put out some cool YouTube shit here coming up. Um, <laughs> got the uh, the Road to the Arnold coming up. There's like 13 weeks out from that big meet. Um, I actually found some raw uncut footage that Elvis had from last year actually forgot about that didn't actually make it in one of the main videos um some really good stuff that i'm planning to share out um but i'm gonna splice together some cool videos put up on youtube people have been wanting to see more of my training um so i figured i'll just film some more of my training and then i'll voice over talk about it a little bit and hopefully you can learn from it as well so make sure you subscribe to the youtube if you haven't already gonna be a lot of good stuff up there and you know, small arm, leg strong, squatting every day. Have you been successful? It has been pretty good so far.
That's good. It's been a month straight, and I might go for two. And what's it might this, get a little weird. What's the new book you're reading? Tell everyone what this new book is. Oh, man, it looks really I, badass. Dude, I don't even know the title of the book. I'm just running right there. Uh, something, <laughs> something. I forget what it was. Oh, damn it or something. Oh, man. <laughs> we'll come <laughs> back with a better one next week. You know, week. the best the best thing is the books with the pictures. And this is one <laughs> of the books with the pictures. There's minimal reading and a lot of cool pictures. <laughs> I know. I just wanted a quick read. I've been reading these like giant books all the time. I was like, I just need something quick, kind of like de de stress me from reading a little bit. That's uh like Martin Rooney's uh, Rooney's Rules. You never see that. It's a little pamphlet book. All it is is like some pictures with like a few sentences in it. That's that's my kind of book. Listen, you can get motivates some... the shit out of you. Wake up right there. You can get some meat and potatoes out of it. You don't need all those veggies. That's it. All right, guys, I got to go check my advent calendar. I think we're, we're moving across December here. I got to eat some chocolates. <laughs> so we will see you all next week, all right? I'm planning on getting some great guests together for you as well. And I uh, hope everyone is enjoying their holidays. Thank you for listening to The, the Bench Cast. Cast.